we're in a series that we've titled, uh, God is Happy. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, God is happy? Turn to the person on the other side and say, God is happy. There you go. And, uh, and so when we started the series last week, I have three purposes uh, that I want this series to accomplish in mind in your life. Number one, I want it to destroy the lie that God uh, lives in a state of anger. And um, that God is always mad and that he's waiting for you and I to make a mistake. And uh, what his nature really is. And so if you weren't here last week, go back and listen to the, um, there's a sermon online. Watch the video of it. It'll really help you understand that God, though he has times that he responds in anger as he should to injustice, that God does not live in a state of anger, that he is happy. He's a good, good father. And you need to really get that because it'll change the way you live out your Christian life if you don't have that understanding, it will be very detrimental to who you are as you walk this thing out. The second purpose that I have is I want to prove to you, and today is the real thing, I want God to prove, prove to you and help shift your way of thinking that God actually enjoys and delights in you. I want you to get that. And that's today's teaching. And then the third piece that I'm hoping will happen in this whole series is that if God lives in a state of happiness, he exists in joy, then we as his followers, as his sons and daughters, we should live in a state of happiness and joy. And so that, that, that dead religion tells you that it's never good enough and that you're always falling short. Oh, but a real relationship with the living God, we should take on his nature. And Because uh, anybody you hang out with, you start acting like him. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. And so if you're hanging out with the living God and his ways and his nature is happiness and joy, then that should be us as well. So that's my goals in this whole piece. So with that being said, today's teaching, part two of God is Happy, is actually... Subtitled, God Delights in Us. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, God likes you? Would you tell them that? Say, God really likes you. All right? And, and, and the reason why that's important is because most of us think that God loves us because he has to, but he doesn't get the choice of choosing whether or not he likes us. And that's just not the case. God actually likes you. And um, in fact, uh, we'll kind of illustrate that today in reference to how we who have children actually, you know, delight in our kids. And with that being said, we got to start off with a Boudreaux and Thibodeau joke today. So with that being said, Boudreaux, he got a son. His son is named Tibu because he little Boudreaux. So he Tibu. So uh, Boudreaux, uh, Tibu wasn't doing so good in school. And so Boudreaux was trying to kind of shame him a little bit into studying better. So he sat down with him. He said, now, you know, Tibu, that Abraham Lincoln, when he was your age, would study all through the night just by candlelight. That's what Abraham Lincoln did when he was your age. Tibu thought for a second. He said, yep. And Papa, when he was your age, he was president of the United States. We got a key scripture today in today's teaching. Write this. Uh, uh, go ahead and open your Bible to this. And Psalms chapter 18 and verse 19 it says it like this. It says, and he led me to a place of safety, for he delights in me. Father, I pray over the next couple moments, you help me to help your people see who you really are. Lord, I want them to know how much you delight in them. But Lord, I don't want them to know that nearly as much as you do. So I pray against every lie. I pray against every deception. I pray against every uh, form of dead religion that some of these men and women have participated in in the past that had marked them and caused them to think a certain way. I pray that revelation would come supernaturally to their hearts and mind of who you really are and how you actually delight in us in Jesus' name. And all God's people shout it, amen and amen. The word delight, we don't use that a lot in our, in our normal 
normal, everyday, you know, common English up here in, up in here in Merkel. We don't usually say delight. You don't say delight. Hey, that was delightful. Thank you. We don't use that word a whole lot. So let me define it for you a little more clearly. Delight is defined as to be greatly pleased, to enjoy. We use the word enjoy a lot. We do that, please. We may use that, but we don't use delight a whole lot. But the word of God lays it out with the word delight. And I like that. I like that God is well pleased with uh, with us, that he enjoys us. And so I found a little survey, uh, uh, um, a a survey that that this guy did uh, last year in 2017 on what Americans enjoy most, what what American people enjoy most. I'm going to give you the top 10 thing that you as Americans enjoy most. Number 10, the top thing that, number 10 of, of, of the top 10 things that Americans enjoy most is visiting family and friends. How many of you guys like visiting family and friends? I, I don't even think that would be on my list. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> number nine, number nine, Americans love talking. Uh, th- I think that might have been a, a large uh, female population took that portion of the survey. Watch yourself, watch yourself. It's amazing what my wife can do with text messaging. It is amazing how she can talk with her fingers now. It is unbelievable. Uh, number eight, number eight, this must have been all the guys playing games. That must have been where the survey landed with most of the dudes. And then uh, this one, number seven, don't put it up yet. Number, yeah, too late. Uh, number seven, I expected number seven to be one or two with Americans, and uh, I don't know why it's number seven, and that is making love, and uh, we need to do some teaching on that. All right, number six. Number six is exercise. I don't know who the heck wrote that down, but I don't know. The people who enjoy exercise, they're weird. I don't think they take surveys. They're out exercising. So anyway, um, number five, playing sports. That that was pretty cool. Uh, The fourth thing that Americans enjoy uh, the most uh, in their life is watching movies. And uh, how many of you guys like watching movies? That would be like in that high ranking for you. Yeah, me too. Uh, how about number three? Uh, you would say this would be pretty high for you reading. That, that, would you have surveyed that way? Okay, oh, there you go. Uh, number two, and that is listen to music. How many of you, that's one of your favorite things to do, listen to music. There you go. All right, drum roll, please, as we get to the number one thing that Americans love to do more than anything else. The number one thing is, number one, sleeping. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. No wonder India is outperforming us. I'll tell you that right now. Sleepy. I did not see that coming. When I was going through the survey, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. In fact, I was real thrown off that uh, having, uh, making uh, love was at seven. I really expected that to be. Anyway, and when I got to number one, it said sleeping. I thought, you got to be kidding me. We got to get our eight hours. Come on, somebody. Uh, as we, as we kind of, if that's some of the things that we enjoy, the question at hand is, what does God enjoy more than anything else? And all the things that he has. I mean, making animals. I mean, I don't know what, what God does all day long. Let me tell you what the number one thing that God enjoys. Ready? Drum roll. You. He, love, he enjoys you more than anything else. Us. He enjoys us. And I hope that becomes a revelation for you, uh, that how much God actually enjoys you. In fact, let me give you a number of scriptures on it, just kind of set the precedence here. Uh, uh, Psalms 149 and 4 says it like this, For the Lord takes delight in his people, he crowns the humble with salvation. Or you can say it like this in verse 3 of Psalms 149. Uh, it says, And let them praise his name with dancing, and make music to him with tambourine and harp. For the Lord takes delight in his people, Psalm 16, 3, for all the saints who are on the earth. 
They are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. That's him actually saying, all the saints, those of you that call upon me and say that I'm your God, those of you that are Christians, you are my delight. That's what he's saying there in chapter 16 of Psalms. Psalms 35, 27. The Lord be exalted who delights in the well-being of his service. You know, he delights in your well-being. He does not like it when you're going through something difficult. He delights in your well-being. He loves that you enjoy life. Here's Psalms 35 and 27. It says, oh, sorry, I already did that one. Psalms 37, 23. The steps of the godly are directed by the Lord. He delights in every detail of their lives. So you know he cares and delights about the little details of your life. He is so grateful that you got a 10% discount at Audi the other day. He likes that. He likes that. He, since you like it, he likes it. He likes that you got new toilet paper that you enjoy him better. He enjoys the, li- the little details is what this says. He actually enjoys that. So with that being said today... I want to teach you some principles about how much God delights in you and me. I want to make the case today, like a great lawyer, make the case that God actually delights in you. I know for a fact that the majority of you may nod your head yes, but in the deep inside of you, you still think that God is not pleased with you because you're not doing good enough. We covered that last week, so you really got to go back and hear that message if you weren't here. That you have to perform for his love, for his favor. And what that is, that's a result of two things. That's a result, number one, that God lives in a state of anger and that you're, he's never satisfied with you. That concept comes from, number one, misappropriation of places in Scripture where God is angry about that scenario, but God doesn't live in a state of anger or disappointment with you. And then another reason why some of us have that way of thinking, most of us, if you will, is because dead religion has to use fear to keep you in line and in control. And it's a fear-based religion versus a relational-based religion, if you will. And God wants a relationship with his children, not your fear that if you don't act right that you're going to be punished. I actually grew up in a church that every Sunday we were called to come front and repent of our sins that we committed that week lest we end up in hell. Because if you do not repent of that sin, you're going to end up in hell. See, that is fear-based. That's fear-driven. Are you with me? Say yes. And so that's not the God that we serve. In fact, he delights in us. And so you would say, well, how does he delight in me? How how does that really work? How does he delight in me? Let me give you a couple thoughts. Number one, God delights in us, number one, first and foremost, because we are his. Because we are his. He delights in you because you belong to him. He enjoys you. You bring him pleasure because you're his. Just because you are his. Look at this passage. It says in Psalms 149.4 again, for the Lord takes delight. Who does? The Lord takes delight in who? His people. He crowns the humble with salvation. He likes you. You think that he has to love you because he's supposed to be God. But he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily like you. He just puts up with you. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. God in, delights in you. He enjoys you. You bring him pleasure. Not because you're good, bad, or ugly, but because you're his. I, if you ask any of my children... You say, does your dad love you? They'll say, absolutely. And if you ask them why, they won't say, because I get good grades, because I'm a good Christian, because I go to church, because this, that, or other. They'll say this because I've trained this into them. They'll say, because I'm his. You know why? Because they're mine. I love them. I enjoy them because they're mine. Thank God they look like their mama. I can enjoy them even more. I mean, they are magnificent and wonderful, but not because they're good, bad, or ugly. Do I whoop them? Yes, I whoop them. Because that ain't like 
God when you do that. So I have to whoop them. That doesn't negate how much I love and enjoy them and like to watch them grow up and enjoy the whole process of all the crazy stuff that goes on in their lives. In fact, I asked you to help me illustrate this point last week. And I asked you, I said, listen, would you take whatever footage you have on your iPhone of your children and upload it to YouTube so we can show the church how cool kids are and how much you enjoy your kids. And I'm so grateful that four of you took me up on it. Thank you so much. And so, and so, I, po- so I put as many of them together as I could in a collage. And I want you to see this today. This is kids, uh, your kids, my, our kids, and, uh, and how much we love them and how much we enjoy hanging out with them. So play that, that footage for them. God loves us. Make sure he stays with you and you be plugged with him. And stay with him and do not let go of his hand. Stay in heaven. Hi, I am Georgia Thomas from the great state of Texas. Reigning this year as your Little Miss Regency International 2017. Poke it in. Let me explain to you what just happened. If you could have been sitting where I was sitting and watched all of you guys as this video play, that's not even your kid. And you're like, when, that, when, when the, when the Wads number 17th baby came out on the screen, the opening one, you all went, oh. You don't even know how to handle white babies. I mean, why would you? But, you, but it's a baby, right? And everybody's like, oh. And then, and, then, and then these kids are dancing and stuff. And then you start like, yeah, go. Go, Joshua. Go. As he was, it was amazing to watch all of, you, all of you respond in that moment. Why? Because they're kids, right? And because they may not be your personal kid, but they're somebody's kid. And they brought you a smile. And they brought you delight. And that's how God the Father looks at us as his own kids. He enjoys us. One of those children on that video you may have noticed is Miss Georgia. Stand up, Miss Georgia. Miss Georgia won last year. She has been to 2017 reigning uh, national region uh, sweetheart. And 
she's given up her crown to another girl uh, here next month. And that little girl is a miracle. That, that little girl ha- loves Jesus and her family has raised her right. And they have been through some stuff with her early part of her childhood. And I'm telling you, her standing here is a miracle. I love you, sweetheart. I'm so proud of you. But God doesn't, God doesn't delight in you because you do good, bad, or ugly. He delights in you because you're his. He, he likes you. Because when you got to understand something, when God created all of the earth, every animal, every tree, every bush, every seed that was going to turn and germinate into something else, and when he created all of that, there was only one entity on this planet that he created in his image, and that's you and me. He looked at a mirror, and he took some mud, and he began to carve it out into the image of humanity, into Adam. And then he breathed into Adam the breath of life. (gasps) He breathed his nature into us. Oh, it breaks his heart that the majority of humanity doesn't know him, that the majority of humanity doesn't know how much he delights in his people, in his creation, in us, his image. He loves us. Because he's God, but he likes us because we're his. Are you with me? He delights in you. Here's the second thing I want you to understand how God delights in us is, and that is he delights when we honor and trust him. Write that down. I want to, give you, I want to tell you where that's from out of Psalms 147.11. One, uh, Psalms 147.11 says it like this. The Lord takes pleasure in those who honor him and trust in his constant love. Now, let me break that down for you. You saw in that video, Pastor Jack Clark, I was the one filming, took his kid and threw him across the room into the bed. I was over there visiting with him, and, uh, and, and, and Noah says, Daddy, Daddy, show Pastor Adam what we do. Show Pastor Adam what we do. And he's like, all right, come on. He said, Pastor Adam, you got to come out in our, back in our bedroom. I'm like, well, at our house, you don't go in my bedroom, but all right, I'll come back there with you. You know, I don't want to see your wife's drawers hanging all over the place or something. So, so we go back there, you know, and he goes, you're going to want to video this. And so he takes Noah, and he throws him, and he's like, Boom, lands on the pillows on the bed, and the kid jumps on him. Do it again, Dad. Do it again, Dad. We did it 10 times. In the midst of 10 times, I finally look over, and there's this little naked brother just standing there watching, you know. <laughs> Here's the deal that kid loved and enjoyed that his dad would throw him across the room. That's called trust. And his dad kept doing it over and over again with the biggest smile on his face because he delighted in the fact that his son trusted him at that level. God delights in the fact that you trust him, that you say, you know what, I've never seen heaven, but I trust it's there. You know what, I I have people that I work with who say that you're not really there, God, but I trust that your word is true and that everything else is not true, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He gets delight when you and I trust him. And even when we honor him. That scripture says that when we honor him, he takes pleasure in those who honor him and trust in his constant love. Honor. You know what honor means? It means to esteem highly. God takes pleasure. He gets excited when you and I honor him. I don't know if you've ever had your kid tell some other kids about how great you are and you've overheard it. How does that make you feel? That's right. 
A few years ago when my son was much younger, we were doing this conference, a couple thousand people, and I'm laying hands up on people and prophesying and moving to healing, and people were getting delivered and stuff. It was really cool. And it's kind of wrapping up, and people are starting to dismiss, but there's still about a thousand people left, a couple hundred people down front. And I'm praying for this one person, and, and all of a sudden, I hear off the side of me, my son's standing there, and some people have obviously walked up. He's probably 12, 13 years old, walked up beside him and asked him for something. And he said, oh, listen, you need to get my dad to pray for you, because everyone he prays for gets healed. That's what you want. Let's wait right here and let's get and I'm, and, I, and I'm thinking first thought was like oh dear God what well these people think that I'm Jesus now that ain't you know we in trouble but then it went remember something I can get everybody here come on ah that's my boy right there. he loves his dad he he believes in me and as he was showing that honor as he was putting out there how 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 much he thinks I'm great I delighted in that God delights in the fact that you honor him. Look, you're here today. You're honoring him. You've come to celebrate with the other Christians and, and, and try your best to figure out how to love him better. He delights in that. He gets stoked about that. He enjoys you, and he enjoys when you honor and trust him. Here's the third thing that he actually, how he delights in us, and that is he delights when we delight in him. I use that word back, delight, uh, when we delight in him. I was going to use the word worship, when we worship him. But worship, um, in most of your mind, you think we're talking about praise and worship here on Sunday. And, and, and to some extent, we are talking about that. But, but worship goes beyond that. Worship goes be, uh, how I act when I'm around my other friends who don't believe in God. That I delight in God when I'm at home more than delighting in the sinfulness of this world's pleasure. That we delight in He delights in the fact that we delight in Him. And look what the passage says in Psalms 149.3. One more time it says, And let them praise His name with dancing and making music to Him with tambourine and harp. For the Lord takes delight and his people. And so in this video, I couldn't believe that most every bit of the footage that you sent me about your kid, you know what you know what you sent me your kid doing? Dancing. And I was like, man, like 70% of these videos are about dance. Can you not get them pooping in a tub or something? I was like, you know, hoping there would be some other. But the reason why you sent the dancing is because that made you excited. It, it, when you saw them being excited and dancing and stuff and acting crazy, you're like, oh, we got to get that on video. Hold still, hold still, hold still. And that's what you had on your phone. That's why you sent that to me. Can I tell you something? When we come into praise and worship, not to shame you, but it's sad to me that you don't delight in God by throwing up your hands and saying, God, you've been so good this week. It, it, not to shame you, but it's embarrassing to me as your pastor that you walk into the time that we're singing and we're telling him how great he is and we're dancing and you, you still are carrying how you're not good enough to even deserve to come in here. That, that, that embarrasses me as your pastor because I want you to understand when we come into his presence, we all gather together, we should be able to say, he's good. Life sucks. He's good. This is a bad thing. But God is awesome. And we should be able to delight in him. When we delight in him, he delights in us. That causes that excitement of delight. Look at them delighting in me. Look at them throwing their hands up and, and look at them singing to me. Look at them dancing and stuff. Man, they love me. And I love when they love me. I love when they delight in me. I delight when they delight in me. He delights in the fact that you delight in him. He didn't go, oh, whatever. I'm God. I got other people. You don't have to. I got plenty more. All right. You just do your thing because I got those who really love me. No, he likes when you, you, not somebody else, when you, when you say, I delight in you, God. I enjoy you. I, I, I'm going to enjoy you even though I don't feel like it sometimes. I'll be one of, the, one, of the, one of the reasons I feel like that my life with God is so enjoyable. It's because I made a decision a number of years ago that I was going to enjoy him. 
I was going to delight in him. And I'll never forget reading the passage where David danced with all of his might to where his clothes was falling off. And his queen, she was like, oh, look how shameful you are. Dance all around in your drawers out in front of everybody. And David made this statement. He said, I will yet be more vile. Translated out, I will be even more aggressive towards God and show him how much I love him. I don't care what you think because God removed your daddy and put me in his place. So let me just tell you something, sweetheart. I will dance. I will sing. I will delight in God because I don't deserve this position. I don't deserve his love. I don't deserve his delight. And as a result of it, I recognize that and I delight even more. Friend, that attitude got down in me and I recognize were it not for Christ, I'd be in prison by now. Were it not for Christ, I couldn't keep a marriage together. Come on, you with me? Were it not for Christ, I don't know where I would be. But God has been good to me. And delighting in him causes him to delight in response. It's amazing. Here's the fourth thing. You say, you know, how does God really delight? Well, he delights when we boast about him. He delights when we boast about him. Uh, if God, God is so good in our lives. He's transformed our lives. And when you and I boast about that, you know, when we're standing around in line at Walmart and just saying, sweet love. I'll tell you something, you sure are angry about life, but I'll tell you, God's been good to me. I'm going to tell you right now, you, you see that right there? If it wasn't for God, oh, I wouldn't be here, that surgery, man, whoo, that happened, God, God saved my life. When we boast about how good he's been to us, he delights in that. He gets excited about when we boast about him. Just like you're excited when your kids boast about you. When they talk about you, yeah, my grandpa, he's a good, my granddad, he can be your granddaddy. And you all of 110 pounds. Like, it was, you believe that, buddy. Thank you. I mean, God loves when we boast about him. Because when we boast about him, that attracts the lost and the dying back to him. When we boast about him. So what I get a lot of times is I'm trying to teach people how God delights in them and how much he likes you. The first thing that starts happening is you start immediately moving into, yeah, but I fail the Lord. Yeah, but I don't pray enough. Yeah, I don't come to church enough. It's amazing to watch you do it. You put your head down. Yeah, but I'm not. Yeah, but I sinned. I looked at porn this week. Yep, but I cussed my, my wife out. Yep, but I punched my husband in the nose. But he deserved it. But I know that's not like God. It's amazing to watch you guys. You start, you immediately, when I try to tell you how much God delights in you, you immediately start going to your failures. You immediately start shaming yourself about your failures. And I want to teach you a couple of things. When you immediately, when you, listen, when, when you and I uh, begin to uh, focus on our failures and we begin to focus on our shortcomings and, our di- and how we disappointed God, it creates a couple of things. Here's the first thing that you and I create whenever we continually think, uh, throw out there how much we're failing God. Number one, it causes you and I to stand at a distance. Stand at a distance. You know that kid, uh, you know that kid that you grew up with that never would try baseball? You know, just stand over there in the dugout. You're like, hey man, you want to play? They won't even pick up a bat and try to swing at it. And they just kind of stand at a distance. That's how some of you are with God. You're like, well, you know, I blew it. I don't even deserve to go to church. I mean, you got to be good to go to church, right? That's stupid. That's a dumb concept. We come together because we want God. We want to grow in God, not because, we're, all, not because we're, we're perfect. We're all sinners saved by grace, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of glory of God. We don't come. There's this concept in a lot of you that i got to clean myself up, and then I come to God. That's crazy. That's ludicrous. That doesn't work. If you could clean yourself up and be good, you wouldn't need God. And, th- and, then, and then you're living under this, I'm scared that I'm failing him. I don't want to fail him. I don't want to disappoint him. I'm constantly disappointing him. And so as a result of that attitude, you can't embrace that he enjoys you. And so what do you do? You stand at a distance. You stand at a distance. And I say, come on, come on, get involved. with. Let's go do great things for God. Well, I can't because I'm not good enough. And they're going to find out that, I, that, that I, you know, I still am hooked on pharmaceutical drugs. And, and you know, I'm trying, but I just can't stop it. That's stupid. God delights in you. 
You as a sinner saved by grace, he delights in it. You're his. You're his. You say, well, no, I've got to do something to be his. No, you don't. My children didn't have to do one thing to become mine. What you have to do is accept Jesus as your Lord and say, boom, you're his. He did it all on the cross. You're his. He loves you because you... And that response relationship begins to grow you out of these other dumb little sin habits. Here's the second thing. When you and I live in a fear of disappointing God, here's the second thing it creates, and that is that you're never able to enjoy the now moments. You can't ever enjoy the now moments. It's never good enough. Well, I, you know, so man, thank you so much for helping us with the welcome team and, and being nice to other people. Yeah, but I don't pray enough. Okay. None of us do. You know, yeah, I know, but I, you know, I, 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 and I stole something this week, and I, I guess I got a bad habit. I'm a klepto. Okay. And because you live in such fear of disappointing God, you can't enjoy the now. You're in church. You're here. We're gathered. You're sitting here. We're worshiping God together. Come on, you are here. Enjoy the now moment, man. Man, you didn't go, you didn't go out last weekend and get stoned out of your mind with your friends like you used to do. You enjoy the now moment. Say, well, yeah, but I thought about it. I really thought about it. <laughs> and so because you're so scared of, of the disappointment, you first, you stand at a distance. You won't come jump into his arms. How miserable is it to have a child that won't, won't let you love on him? How miserable is that kid? It's like, you know, hey, hey, uh, you know, come walking through your living room, won't even talk to you because they're scared of disappointing you. That's a miserable life. I don't want that relationship. And that's how so, well, I don't want to disappoint you. I'm staying at arm's length. Well, I'm failing him, so you know what? I, even though it's good right now, even though I did something good, or I, you know, it's still not good enough. It's not good enough. I grew up with a grandmother like that. It was never good enough. No matter what she did or was or what, it was never good enough. God was never going to be satisfied with her because a dead religion had taught her that. Here's the third thing that happens when you and I continue to live in the fear of disappointing God and not embracing the fact that he enjoys us. The third thing that happens is we empower Satan's plan. You empower Satan's plan. So let me, let me break this down for you a little bit, okay? This is tons of Bible school stuff to help you right here. One, one download. You ready? God created us in his image. We, we are his sons and daughters. All of humanity. Sons and daughters. Lucifer, the fallen thrown to the side, rebellious demon angel saw the love relationship, the intimacy that God had with his children, Adam and Eve, in the garden. And he immediately set into a plan that all humanity, that he would steal their affection away from the Father and to himself. So from the very beginning, Satan has been a perpetrator of stealing away our affections from the Father. He's a predator with tricky tactics. I had to stop watching. A few years ago, Dateline would do these specials to catch a predator. Anybody ever watch that? I had to stop watching it because I was like, kill them, kill them all. Castrate every one of them suckers. They need to die. I mean, I had to stop watching it. Why? Because there's nothing that infuriates me more than a predator. Come on, somebody, trying to hurt little kids. Are you with me? You got to understand from the moment that we were created, that a great predator began to try to steal away the affections that we have for the Father and get us away from that. And he has tricks and he has scams. And, and from the time my children have been little, little, Jamie will tell you, I'm five and six and seven years old, I have taught my children, I guess it's from all the Dateline specials, listen, this is what predators are like. Listen, let me tell you something. They're going to woo you over and they're going to try to give you candy and then they're going to throw you in the van and they're going to kidnap and rape you forever. Do you understand? Look. 
All right, so listen, you got to understand. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm trying to teach. I said, now listen, there are going to be these moments when you're preteen and daddy has to whoop you for something. You're like, I don't know, that ain't right, that's not right. And then you're going to have some little person online get you in a chat room and start talking about how they would care for you and how you ought to run off with them and that they're going to act like they're 13 and 14 when we're really it's some old fat dude standing out somewhere trying to get you and he's using trickery, come on now, a predator to woo you away from the affections of your father. And I begin to lay out to them the tricks of predators. Can I explain something to you? When God puts in his scripture, this is sin, this is sin, this is sin, what he's doing is laying out the trickery of the predator to steal your affections. So when he says, listen, don't go, don't have sex before you're married, he's not trying to keep you from something good. He's saying, that's a trick to destroy your life. What I have is better. What I have, sex inside of marriage is wonderful. It's so much better. You don't want that. That's a lie to destroy you and steal your affections away from me. So when God is passionate in scripture, about what sin is. He's not passionate because he wants to whip you, because he wants to harm you. He's saying, look, that's the trick of a predator. And he gets excited about it, just like you and I would, telling our kids, that infuriates me, that the, that the, that the predator is trying to steal your affection away and destroy you and bring you to hell with him forever and ever and ever. That's the passion you pick up on. When the Bible is clear about what sin is and what it isn't, he's trying to expose the trickery of the great predator. Because why? Because he enjoys us. Because why? We're his. And so sometimes, unfortunately, I don't know why, preachers and churches hone in on all they tell us about is the trickery of the predator. Don't do it. Don't do it, brother. And we're like, okay, I don't want to do it. But I can't stop. It's so good. Because the Bible says sin is fun for a season. Right? What we've done, especially with our young people and our young adults, we've taught them about the goodness of God. Let me tell you something. You don't want the predator stuff. Let me tell you what it's like to heal the sick and raise the dead. Let me tell you what it's like to enjoy the good, good father and not have shame when you finally get married and not have to be embarrassed because you just walked past them all and that was three girls that you hooked up with back in the day and you're hoping none of them got pregnant, Jesus, Lord. And you, you got all this shame. that you. Let me show you the way of God. The way of God is good. He's a good father and he enjoys you. And look at this enjoyment. You don't have to have the trickery of the predator to go get drunk and to go get laid and to go get plastered out of your mind to have incitement. Go over here and lay hands on this blind eye and watch it recover. See how much more fulfilling that is. And what we've done is we've not taught each other what the Word of God actually says. He is a good dad, and he enjoys us, and he's happy. He doesn't live in a state of anger. He lives in a state of joy and excitement, and he delights in you and me. And when you and I, when you and I honor him, when you and I dance before him, when you and I are just alive, He enjoys us. He enjoys the little things of our life is what the scripture says. So let me give you a couple thoughts here. When you finally get this, when you finally get the understanding that God delights in you, not in Pastor Adam, not in Bishop Jakes, not in, you know, uh, you know, uh, some other great minister. He actually delights in you. Like I said, bring it back to the video. Those weren't even your kids. And you're sitting there smiling and laughing. You're enjoying it. Can I just point this out? More than likely, again, not to demean anybody, but more than likely, none of those kids are going to be the next American Idol. Just saying. They're special. We love them. But more than likely, none of those kids are prodigies. That just like they can play the piano with their nose and they can, use, they can play a harmonica with their toes. I mean, they're, not, they're just good people, right? 
for some, whatever reason, we think that God only delights in the Billy Grahams. That God only delights in the guys who go, be, go out and be missionaries. He delights in them. That's a lie. He delights in you and me. Everyday good people. Just good old folks who don't do it all right. Just trying to live out our life the best we can for God. He delights in you. He delights that when you went down the slide, your hair stood up. He delights in the fact that, you know what, you like getting thrown across the room. See, when I got the revelation that God delighted in me and who I was, it transformed everything about me. It transformed everything about me. Because then I stopped trying to be what somebody set was an image of the perfect Christian, and I just started being me. And I'm weird. I'm that kid. Y'all have one. And I'm that kid. I, and I embraced it, and I love it, every bit of it. And, 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 it. and it's amazing. So once you get this, let me tell you what it'll change in you. First and foremost, it'll change, number one, it'll change the way you pray. It'll change the way you pray. Prayer is not a chore, a chore or a duty when you realize that he delights in you and you delight in him. It, it, he, likes, he likes just hanging out with you. Uh, my wife, um, <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, uh, it was a Friday night, and I had been studying all day, and so, um, and I still needed to do a little bit more study. And she said, hey, listen, um, me and Kenzie and Myrna want to go to the movies, uh, and, uh, but, you know, Mimi and Pop got other stuff going. Could you watch Adeline? And I was like, sure. She, I said, what time? What time will you be back? She goes, well, you know, it's an 8 o'clock movie. You'll be back for about 1030. I went, okay. And so, uh, and so Jamie and I, we have each other uh, on GPS. So I know where she's at at all times, and she knows where I'm at all times. And if you're married, you should do that. If you want to be married to the person you're going out with, you should do that. Why? Because trust is critical to a marriage. You say, well, that's mistrust. They ought to trust me. Well, give them a reason to by putting them on GPS. There you go. Because then I'm never, I'm never somewhere where she doesn't know. And she's never, not only if somebody kidnaps her, I'm going to chase them down and kill them. <laughs> So I'm watching her on GPS. 10.30 comes along. I know the movie's over. I'm looking down at GPS to see, and I can see her just standing right there in the parking lot of the movie theater there in Grand Prairie. And so I said, well, they're probably going to talk a little bit, and like ladies like to do. Uh, 10.30 turns to 10.45, and the little dot's not moving. 10.45 turns to 11. It's still not moving. Some of you are giggling because you'd be watching your people like that too, you little, you little sneaker. <laughs> 11 o'clock turns to 11.15. It hadn't moved. 11.30. Movie's been over for an hour. They're standing in a parking lot. They didn't go get coffee. They're standing up, holding purses and keys and all the other stuff they got. Middle of a parking lot. They're standing in the middle of a parking lot. You know, it's like you could get kidnapped, raped, or murdered. What are you doing? Standing out in the parking lot. They're talking, 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 talking. 11.30 goes by. 11.45 goes by. It hadn't moved. They not eat. She ain't even in the car yet. Midnight. 12.30, she rolls up in the house, and I'm sitting there. <laughs> and she says, hey, did Adeline go to bed okay? Yeah. Where you been? And she goes, well, we just got to talking. I'm like, For two and a half hours. What are you talking about? Let me tell you what they're talking about. They enjoy each other. They enjoy each other. See, when you enjoy each other, you, you look, oh, my God, I'm late for an appointment. We've been talking for two hours. Somebody you don't enjoy, you're like, look, I got five minutes. Let's go. Get this done with. Come on. Now. I got to go. I'm so sorry. I can't talk about that, right? But when you enjoy someone, you just, so when you realize, first off, that God delights in your interaction, that'll cause you to respond in delight, 
And your whole prayer life will change. It won't be a duty. It won't be, all right, God bless my family. Yeah, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, it, it, it turns into when you realize he delights in you and you respond and delight in him, it, it turns into this interaction that's enjoyable. Now, I don't know why certain preachers have told you, well, they got to sell books, that this is how you pray, and they give you this little check-off list based on things that they derive from Scripture. But can I just help you? I, I engage people different because my personality's different. I don't engage them the way you engage them. I'm not going to write you a note. That's boring. I can just call you. Like when, when voice text came along, it, it transformed my life. Because I'm not going to sit there and try to give you some words. I'll just go, hey, dude, call me when you get a chance. And you listen to the voice text. Why? Because that's my personality style, right? So it's amazing. Once I got a revelation that God delighted in me, and he delighted in me, the way he made me, the way I am, the way I think, my prayer life totally changed because I knew he delighted in that whole in- engagement. So my prayer life looks a lot different than some of you guys. I can't sit there for four hours, and then God, I really would like, you know, the sky was blue today, and I just think that's so cool. That's not, my prayer life with God is hilarious. Like you would be dying laughing. Because a lot of times I, I love to pray in the car. I love to go drive. I love to pray and sit by myself. I don't want anybody around. I want you to hear what we're talking about and stuff like that. And so it's a little awkward. Even for Jamie and I, still after 25 years of marriage, to pray together. Because it's like, well, I was going to tell him this, but I didn't want you to hear about that. You know? and, so, and so, you know, and so it's just this engagement. But my, the way I engage him is with my personality. Like, I have a beautiful prayer language. So I'll just start praying in the Spirit. And I'll just pray in my prayer language. And I don't even realize I'm doing it. Before I do it, I start having fun. She la bare le la la. She la. And I get to laughing, and I feel like he's laughing. I feel like we're high-fiving. And if I'm doing that driving down the road, you think I'm a crackhead if you get on side of me like, what is he doing? That's my personality. That's how he made me. And I enjoy it, and he enjoys it. He delights in me. See, if you'll get a revelation that he actually likes you, like he doesn't put up with you because you're not good enough, but, you know, I guess I got to let him in because they said, they said the prayer of salvation. They go to church, they signed up, they give a little tie, so I guess i got to let them in. They're not my best. Like on the ranking, they're like way down here, like Billy Graham, and then you, sorry, you're just not good enough. That's not at all who he is with you. He delights in you. He delights that you're weird, that you're, that you're stoic, whatever you are. He made you, aren't you glad that every one of the toys that you grew up playing with weren't the exact same one? Can you imagine if everyone around the world had one toy that looked the same? That was our toy. You know, you had that one weird toy. You had that one practical toy. You know, that's why Barbie almost lost their business 20 years ago because they realized, wait, all of our Barbies look just alike, and that don't look like nobody in the world anymore. So they had to change it up, right? Why? Because God made us all different, and he delights in that. That's why you don't eat at the same restaurant every week. Well, some of you do. That's creepy. But anyway, you know. But No, but you don't eat the same meal day after day after day, three times a day. You like a little Mexican over here, then you go get your little Italian, then you go get that steak. (laughs) You're like, Pastor, shut up. Let's get to lunch. Let's go. You're killing me. So I want you to get that. Number one, when you get an understanding he delights in you, number one, it'll change the way you pray. Number two, it'll change the way you respond to your failure. It'll change the way you respond to your failure. See, if you grew up with a dad that waited for you to make mistakes so he could prove his point to you, uh, I told you, I told you this would happen. Told you. Then that's what you think Father God's doing. But when you realize he actually delights in you, like, dude, you tried it. How'd it go? I <laughs> got you, didn't it? <laughs> Sorry, buddy, I got you. Come on, we'll buy you a new car. Imagine having a dad like that. You'd be like, yes! It would cause you to live a lot more courageously, wouldn't it? 
But when you and I are living a fear of failing and we don't understand how much he delights in us, it causes us to respond a certain way to our failures, to our mistakes. And we all sin. Every one of you sinned this week at least once. I'm going to tell you that right now. I didn't. Okay, maybe a little bit. No, but we all sin. We all fall short. God's not limited by our inability to be perfect. He can still delight in us as imperfect, just people who love him and who are his, just like you do. Yeah, your kid may not be, maybe never going to make millions of dollars, but they're your kid and you like them. Yeah, your kid may not, you know, win any, you know, magazine, you know, front magazine articles, you know, Vogue magazine or something. But you know what? They're yours. And they're good kids. And you like them because they remind you of your wife. They remind you of you. We remind God of himself because we're in his image. And that, once you get a revelation that he delights in you, when you fail, instead of doing this, and I fail, I'm going to stand at a distance. I didn't do it again. I did it again. I sinned again. I did, instead of standing, once you realize he delights in you, you come run up there. <laughs> man, I blew it again. <laughs> oh, man. Woo, go ahead. Get, get, yeah, all right. Good. Now, listen, I'm going to need your help with this one. Because I'm telling you right now, that girl is fine, and she keeps texting me. Daddy, you got to help, because I'm going to do it again. You better help. Look at the difference response when you realize he delights in you. Yeah, he's not trying to make... If you could be perfect in and of yourself, he wouldn't have had to send Jesus to die for you. If, he could, if you could have been perfect when, in and of yourself, he wouldn't have not only not send Jesus to die for you, but then give you power to overcome by filling you with the Holy Spirit. That's why if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, we're always like, hey, you got to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need the power. Here's the next thing that once you have an understanding that God delights in you, number three, it's what it'll do. It'll change, number three, last one, it'll change your worldview. It'll change the way you view the world. When I first was a Christian, for whatever reason, I didn't think God delighted in me, like many of you. I didn't think he liked me. I think he put up, I, I felt like he put up with me. I felt like he was somewhat ashamed of me half the time, like around heaven, you know, I, like, hey, have you considered my servant Job? That, he never said that about Adam. That's how I felt. Like, hey, don't talk about Adam. He, he's the bad apple. I mean, I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> Hope he makes it. You know, that's kind of was my imagery of what God was doing. Well, once I got a revelation that he actually likes me and he delights in me, that he enjoys me, I bring him pleasure in who I am and what I am. And even in my failure, my shortcomings, because why? When I'm weak, he is strong. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. Once I had a revelation of that, it changed how I viewed the world. No longer was the world something I either, as a Christian, had to run away from so it didn't get me. No longer was the world's way something that I had to be careful lest I get tripped up in. No longer did I care about houses and boats and cars and world success. Something shifted in me. And that life's meaning is the enjoyment of interacting with the living God. That's what meaning is really, that's what it's really all about. And that I didn't have to do for him to have his favor. Because I'm his, I have his favor. And that I could walk therein. It changed everything about me. I couldn't wait to tell other people about how great he was. I, it just came out naturally. Like, I didn't, need, I didn't need three points on how to witness. Like, well, first off, black is the color of your sin. Red is the color of his blood that will and you wear the little black, red, and you know, little, I didn't have to do all that. Why? Because I had a view change of this world. And I realized you're miserable in your life. I used to be. 
But I found the delight of God. The living God lives and abides in me. His Holy Spirit gives me power to overcome. Depression doesn't dominate my life because guess what? (laughs) I have a different worldview. Guess what I know that you don't know? That we're all going to die. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then guess what? I know that you obviously don't embrace. I'm going to spend forever with him in safety and security. Where will you spend the rest of your existence? I also have a different worldview. You know what? I don't need those drugs or that alcohol or that, or that side relationship against my wife with another woman to make me feel alive. I don't have to cut myself to feel alive. I'm alive because he's in me and he delights in me and I delight in him. It changed everything about me. Changed my worldview. Would you stand with me all across the room? I want to pray over you today. My hope and my prayer was that you could get delivered from the thought that you weren't the good kid, that you're the kid that he put up with. Just the opposite. You're the kid he delights in. So why does he delight in me? Because I, I don't pray as much as you guys do. Uh, you, know, I'm still, you know, I'm still struggling with not being a crackhead or whatever you think you're struggling with. Again, he delights in you because you're his. Not because you're good, bad, or ugly. He delights in you because you're his. I want you to close your eyes with me across the room for just a moment. God, I ask you right now to deliver Church on the Hill. Deliver us. Deliver us from the fear. Deliver us from the anxiety, the lie that you don't delight in us. Lord, we all sin. And Lord, that dead religion concept, fear-based, that if I'm good, then he delights in me. But if I'm bad, he can't stand me. God, I pray right now that they would realize every man and woman, me, me, me included, Jesus, that you enjoy me. You enjoy me. Yes, you discipline me because you love me. Yes. The, the predator tries to steal my affection away and sometimes I give into it and I run off and chase his stupidity. And yes, that infuriates you, not because you're mad at me. It infuriates you because he's stolen my affection away from you. You warn me, not because you don't love me or don't like me. You warn me so that I don't get destroyed by his plan. God, I pray that every man and woman in this room would have a revelation of how much you delight in them. Lord, I pray that they would start giggling deep on the inside for the first time. Wait a minute. (laughs) He, He likes me. I pray, oh God, that the haunting statements from a stepmom would just go away. Lord, that the the concept that that preacher told them back in the day that they had to be better and do better, bless God, would just kind of fade in the background and dissipate as the great truth that you delight in us, that you love us. Oh, and Lord, may the trickeries of the great predator lose its power and its attraction. May the lies that being angry and hating that person because you deserve to hate them because of what they did, that lie, may that lie, that trickery of the great perpetrator be debunked. And the truth, oh, it's better to forgive. It's good. As you stand here with your head bowed and your eye closed, I need you under your breath to say to God, thank you for delighting in me. I need you to say to yourself, God delights in me. I need you to believe it here and now. I need you to say to your believer, believer, believe that he loves me.
but he really likes me too. Jesus, I pray for a revelation right now. I rebuke every thought of the opposite of how much you delight in us. I rebuke every one of those thoughts. Lord, I rebuke the concept that they have to, they have to perform for your favor. They have to perform for your enjoyment. Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, that you enjoy us because we're yours. Yes, you enjoy when we walk in faith and hope and trust you. Yes, you enjoy when we dance and sing. and You enjoy when we enjoy you. You enjoy that. You enjoy that so much. But we don't have to do that to get your favor. We don't have to do that to, to receive your enjoyment. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name this will sink down deep in the hearts and minds of every man and woman in this room. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I've gone long today, but there are men and women in this room that you're away from God. In fact, you're not sure if you die today if you go to heaven. You're a little embarrassed that you don't have the relationship that I've been inferring about all day long that I have, that others in this room have. You're scared that that if the truth were to come out that you, you used to be a Christian but you've walked away life happened, you're separated, you're divorced friend, I got such good news for you, God's not mad at you you're here, celebrate this moment but God is wooing you back to himself, he's drawing you back in, that's why you're here and I'd like to pray with anyone in this room, say pastor I gotta be honest, I'm not a Christian but I wanna be pastor I gotta be honest, I used to be a Christian but I walked away from God, I wanna come home I want, I want to know that if, if something horrible happened and I died, killed over dead tomorrow, that God would embrace me. I want to know that I'm right with him. Friend, I want to help you with that. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's all you got to do. So what do I got to do? Well, he's already done it all on the cross. Yours is just a response to that. And your response is, yes, God, you're my, you're my savior. Yes, Lord, I declare you as the living God. And I submit myself to you and your ways. That's all you got to do. That's the, that's the next step for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if I'm speaking to you, God's tugging at your heart. It's time to get right with God. You feel like you're away from God or you haven't been a Christian. You want to become one now. Would you let me pray with you? No one's looking. This is a deep, deep, intimate, private decision. That's why I got every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't, we're not, I don't want to make a spectacle of you. I don't want to dance you around, prance you around. Look what happened. She said yes. No, no, I want you to have this moment. But I, well, you, you need to acknowledge it. And I want to help pray with you. So with no one looking around, if that's you, would you just lift your hand so I can see your hand and we can pray together? Thank you. God bless you. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for Yes, sir. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, man of God. Anyone? Yes, sweet love. Pray for me, pastor. It's time. I don't want to live like this. It's time. I'm ready to be right with the Lord. Okay, I saw your hand. Thank you, sir. Three, four more seconds and we'll move on. I just want to be sure that you have this moment. No one's looking. Me, you, and God. Two more seconds. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need to be right with the Lord. I'm, I'm ready. Amen. You can put your hands down. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of connecting you to God. He's going to do the rest. He's going to change you a little bit at a time. In fact, I'm going to ask everyone in the audience to pray out loud with those, my friends, who lifted their hands. I want you to pray it like this. Say, Jesus, no, out loud. Jesus, today, I admit I'm a sinner. I recognize that I've sinned against you. But today, I humble myself. And I declare, Jesus is the Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Here and now, I accept your grace. I accept your mercy. And I declare, Jesus is my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. 
in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray right now that every man and woman who prayed that prayer for the first time are returning back to you, prayer, Lord God, that they would sense and feel the peace, the peace that comes when a relationship is right, the joy to knowing that they're not an enemy of God, knowing that they're a son or a daughter and, and they've come home and they've embraced you and you've embraced them. Daddy, may they feel the enjoyment that you have towards them. May they feel and sense your delight. And Lord, when the enemy comes and says, you didn't mean that. Oh, you ain't, you're not going to really serve God. Oh, you're not going to go to church. You're not going to put give money. And they, they can just say, no, no, it ain't about going to church. It ain't about giving tithes and all. It's about I know God and he knows me. Father, I pray that the joy of the Lord would be their strength. And when they leave this place, some hope, some revelation of this truth would not just be started, but begin to take over. May they know you love them all their days. And may they enjoy you for the rest of their life. In Jesus' name.